0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. Jumping right into it, we'll just get started. First topic for today is that remember when the news came out that the Rays were considering splitting a season between Tampa Bay and Montreal? This happened last summer. Well, that that was a interesting proposal at the time. I mean, they were thinking about doing it. Obviously, there're going to be some logistical difficulties. Uh, I mean, you play half the season Tampa Bay, half the season in Montreal. I mean uprooting your families, and things like that. Some people were were for it. Some people were against it. Some people were for it because it would bring baseball back to Montreal and it would help the Rays get more fans because, as it is, it doesn't really matter how well the Rays play. They struggle to fill that stadium. They struggle to get players – I'm sorry, to get fans out to that stadium. And it's crazy. Even in a year where they'll win the AL East, if this has happened before – it's it's just tough and that's a problem. If they brought baseball back to Montreal, there are a lot of fans up there who, you know, didn't like it when the Expos left, but they would be happy to have baseball back in Montreal. But obviously, it would be just a very unique a very unique situation for a team to split the season. Not saying it won't happen, but yesterday, the MLBPA executive director Tony Clark made his first comments about this. He had an interview with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, and basically the union is wary of doing something like this. Clark said he has a strong, or he or the union has a strong preference that the club and the players remain in Tampa Bay, and that they're identified with playing in one market. He also said that getting the players to go along with a split season arrangement would be difficult. And that's understandable. I mean, so basically this is what the union is saying, but he also didn't close the door on the possibility of the players appro- approving it. I mean, this, he's just saying what, you know, he and I guess the higher ups of the union are thinking. He said, I'm not going to say it's impossible that we couldn't come to an agreement that's acceptable for them to split the season between Tampa Bay and Montreal. He also added that the MLBPA would have questions and concerns as details of the plan take further shape. So, I mean, ever since initial conversations were announced last June, the MLB Players Association, the union, hasn't received any specifics about what it would look like. But it is a fun thought exercise. I mean, the the Rays are an interesting franchise because... They're a good team, but like I said, they've always struggled. I mean, they're a small market team; they've always struggled to, you know, bring fans to their stadium and things like that. I mean, the target date for the beginning of the split season is twenty twenty eight, so it's not anytime soon. I mean, that's eight years away, but that so, so that's going to leave plenty of time for further discussion. But you know, the Rays have become increasingly serious about moving forward with this in recent months. And it's going to take approval from both the league and the union, as well as the opening of new stadiums in each market, because obviously Tampa Bay wants to, they want to make a new stadium. They don't want to just stay in St. Petersburg. I think I suspect the reason why they struggle to get fans to that stadium is because that stadium in St. Petersburg is so out of the way. It's not even in Tampa. It's in St. Pete. And it's tough for fans to get to. I've actually been there before. I've been to the Trop before. But I'm not a Tampa native. I've just heard that Tampa natives – find it difficult to get to the ballpark so that's just something that's going to be kind of on the back burner for now but it's interesting i mean this collective cba expires after the 2021 season so there could be some changes there uh you know we had some some tough off seasons not this past one, but the two before that so that's obviously gonna be a topic of discussion you know the free agent market And obviously the games playoff structure has been debated and then the arbitration process. So there are going to be a lot of main topics coming up when this CBA expires after 2021. There are a lot of issues to work through with the league. I mean, some people are saying there could be a strike then, but we'll see what happens. I mean, we have two more full seasons before that could become an issue. So we'll keep you posted I mean, we'll still be here, of course. Moving on to the next topic. The LA Dodgers have a very crowded rotation. I mean, even after trading away Kenta Maeda, they have Bueller, Kershaw, Price, Wood, Urias, May, Gonsolin, Stripling, and Nelson. As starting pitchers on their 40-man roster, I think the rotation is going to be Bueller, Kershaw, Price, Wood, and Urias, which means the young guys, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, and even Ross Stripling, um, as good as he is, will probably be coming out of the pen. Then again... The Dodgers will likely do their thing where they do every year where they have a six-man rotation and they just put a guy on the injured list. They just take turns putting pitchers on the injured list and, and they carry six starting pitchers all year long. That's what they've been doing for the past few years. But Dave Roberts did say that Urias will begin the season in the rotation. And um, so like that's why I put him there as the fifth starter. So that makes it seem that Tony Gonsolin would not be in the mix and I mean he's still young and I think he's going to be a starter long term but he's just not getting his chance right now because he's an odd man out but keep an eye on Tony Gonsolin he made six starts for LA last year and he was pretty effective in in his 40 MLB innings a 293 ERA with a 22.7 strikeout rate and a 41.7 ground ball rate I mean That's pretty crazy. So he's definitely a starter long-term. He just needs to wait for his opportunity. He's the number 82 overall prospect on Baseball America for what it's worth. Dustin May, obviously. He also had a pretty sizable role last year down the stretch. He's the number 20 overall prospect on Baseball America. He showed well in his limited time in the bigs. He only made five starts to AAA before his promotion and an early minor league assignment you know, could help keep his innings in check this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys, Gonsolin and May, go down to AAA for a little bit just to, you know, keep them down there and get them more innings instead of having to come out of the pen. Just keep them fresh and, you know, get them in the starting rotation in the minor league so that when they come up to the big leagues, they have a healthy number of innings and they'll go to the pen and stuff like that. But if they start them from the pen opening day, they might not get enough innings to continue to develop. Just, just my speculation, just my thoughts. The White Sox have signed Aaron Bummer to a five-year, sixteen-million-dollar contract. The deal also includes two option years that could raise the overall value to twenty-nine and a half million. So he's a lefty reliever. He's a lefty out of the pen for the White Sox. He was pretty reliable last season. He's twenty-six. Uh, you know he. He just got the largest extension given to a non-closer that hasn't qualified for arbitration. So $16 million over five years, you know, that's a little over, that's what, $3.3 million a year. I mean, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but for a player with as little service time as him and his profile, he's doing pretty well historically. So pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. And I'll be very honest. I didn't really know too much about Aaron Bummer, but... What I'm finding out about this guy is that he's one of the best ground ball artists in the game. I mean, this dude misses bats. He, guys do not square the ball up off of him. I mean, he was among the best in the game at limiting barrels. He had a 2.3% barrel rate, and opponents expected slugging percentage, 281. So he's just a sinker ball pitcher that keeps the ball down. That A sinker is his best pitch, and That pitch was thrown at an average of 95.6 miles an hour last year. So can you imagine facing 96 with sink from the left side? Well, that's what it's like to face Aaron Bummer. That's what he was throwing last year. I mean, a 72.1% ground ball rate. And the only person that was ahead of him in that regard was Zach Britton of the Yankees. So... The the White Sox they have this young core that they continue to build. I think a lot of people are are liking what they're seeing. I'm liking what they, what I'm seeing from the White Sox. I mean Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. He I mean he and Aaron Bummer. He's joining those two guys as White Sox who have been extended through 2026. They have a young core in place. The White Sox now have a long term piece in their bullpen. Add some stability to that area of the club. And yeah, it's it's crazy. So watch out for the White Sox this year. I mean, this dude had a 2-1-3 ERA last year. The White Sox are going to be happy to keep him aboard, get him under control for the next few years. Congratulations to Aaron Bummer. So that's all I have for today. Just some news and notes. We'll continue with spring training games today. Enjoy the games. If you guys enjoyed this, please share it with someone who would be interested, and we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.